0: Well, good morning, everybody. We went back a little further for our music selection this morning, but you got to love Michael Jackson, right? Did you see those white socks? Those were phenomenal. That was great. Well, we're in the midst of this series called Summer Playlist, and we're looking at some songs from more recent times, and we are comparing them to songs in the Bible and seeing what they teach us about life and our world And uh, today we are going to be looking at a psalm that talks a little bit about wisdom. Songs give artists the opportunity to share their wisdom with the world. Now, not everything that we hear in songs would be classified as wisdom to the discerning listener. But still, we get this window into people's lives by hearing Uh, What is your approach to life, and what are the things that, that you find are making your life work better? Now, for instance, in this song, Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson, he suggests that if we want to make our world better, it would be a lot better off if instead of pointing the finger at everybody else and tearing them apart and telling them what they have done wrong, is to turn around and start examining ourselves. And I think that's some good advice from Michael. Um, The Bible is filled with even greater advice, and so today we are going to look at one of the Psalms of Wisdom. Each week we're looking at a different type of psalm, and this is the kind we're looking at today. Before we read this psalm, I want to emphasize that wisdom is not the same thing as information or knowledge. If you cannot convert, you may know a lot of stuff, but if you can't convert that information to wisdom, wisdom then you're not going to be doing a whole lot better off by knowing more. Wisdom is always connected to action. It's one thing to know what the right choice is. It's another thing to actually make that choice. So wisdom happens when a person chooses to respond to adversity or hard things with integrity, even when it would be much easier to play the fool. So this psalm today is going to give us some very practical, real-world advice for dealing with some particular situations. And let me set the psalm up by asking these questions. Have you ever had somebody profit by telling lies about you? Have you ever seen someone get dishonest gain? Have you ever experienced or seen any sort of injustice? Do you ever get tired of somebody scheming? Well, Psalm... 37 is going to help us, give us wisdom for dealing with such situations. But I got to warn you, before we get into this, that the wisdom of God does not always equate with the wisdom of our world. So now that you've been warned, let's read the first 11 verses of Psalm 37 together. It begins by saying, Do not fret because of the wicked. Do not be envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so you will live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will make your vindication shine like the light and the justice of your cause like the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret over those who prosper in their way, over those who carry out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For the wicked shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Yet a little while and the wicked will be no more, though you look diligently for their place They will not be there, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant prosperity. The word of God. I once heard a story about a husband and a wife, and and the husband was just, he marveled at his wife because every time he got angry, she just seemed to remain calm. And he asked her one day, he said, you know, I am always getting upset and wanting to fight with you, and you never fight back. How in the world do you do that? And the woman had an unexpected reply. She said, well, I clean the toilet. The man was perplexed by this, and he thought, how does that help? And she said, I use your toothbrush. Psalm 37 encourages us to think about how we respond to the misbehavior of other people. And this wife certainly seemed to have a grasp on it. I mean, she was calm. You know, she remained very still. She didn't respond in anger. But her secret deeds revealed that maybe she wasn't quite as innocent as she had let on. Now, before you get any ideas... um, the wisdom that is portrayed in Psalm 37 is not the same thing as what this woman was doing. It doesn't mean be calm publicly and then do things behind the scenes. In this world, there will always be people who antagonize you. There will always be people who are out for dishonest gain. There will always be people who harm others. The question isn't, how are we going to avoid these circumstances? The question is, how are we going to respond when these inevitable things happen? Will we choose the typical response or the wise response? So we're going to look at this passage today. We're going to look at the words and the phrases in this passage, and we're going to put them in two different categories. The things that it says not to do, we're going to put under the typical response. And the things that told us to do, we'll put under the wise response, because that's really what this passage is teaching us. So the first thing the psalm told us not to do is fret. In fact, it tells us three separate times not to fret. In order to understand what this word means, let me um, ask you if you know what an onomatopoeia is. Does anybody know what that is? Grammar on Sunday morning. Ah. An onomatopoeia is a word that imitates the sound of the thing that it describes. Like, for instance, moo. That's an onomatopoeia or quack, or buzz, or bang, or boom. Okay, we got it? Now, the root word from the Hebrew Bible that we translate as fret is what I would call an anti-onomatopoeia. Because that word in the Hebrew Bible is the word hurrah, which sounds like it's a celebration, right? Hurrah! It's an anti-onomatopoeia because it means to burn or to be kindled to anger. So the typical response to the wrongdoing of others is to burn with frustration and anger, to fret. But it's not the wise response. The next thing the psalm tells us not to do is envy. I want you to close your eyes, and I need you to close your eyes. I know some of you don't like to do that, but it won't work if, if you don't. And I want you to imagine a child that you know and love now imagine that you walk up to that child at a dinner table after dinner has been eaten and you put unexpectedly you put a generous piece of that child's favorite cake down right in front of them can you see their eyes can you see their smile can you see the excitement Now I want you to imagine that there is another child sitting at this table, and you bring another piece of that same cake and place it in front of the other child. Only this piece of cake is twice as big. It comes with ice cream and sprinkles and whipped cream. Now I want you to look back at the other child's face. Has it changed? All right, you can open your eyes. It's amazing how quickly our happiness fades into envy when we see what somebody else has. And by the way, this doesn't just happen to children. It happens to us as adults too. We might be content with what we have until we see somebody who has more. And it's even harder for us when we perceive that the person who has more doesn't deserve it. (laughs) But God says don't envy because there is a bigger picture at play here. The next aspect of the typical response in the passage is anger. And this is a word in the original text that is associated with the nostrils. And so I want you to, to picture somebody who's got a clenched jaw breathing in and out through their nose, or, or a bull that is ready to charge, just forcefully exhaling Its air out of its nostrils. That's the picture that goes along with this word. Have you ever felt that way? The psalmist tells us to refrain from this kind of response. The fourth aspect of the typical response is wrath. And this is a word, once again, that has to do with heated anger. And this is the kind of emotion that leads us to want to take revenge on somebody else but the psalm tells us to leave it behind or as Bob prayed this morning and as Elsa sang, let it go. This is all easy, right? Just don't do that stuff. Piece of cake. No problem. Why in the world would we want to refrain from these things when it's so much more satisfying to to do them? Well, verse 8 in the passage today, it really nailed it for us. And it said, all of these things... They only lead to evil. And so when we respond in these ways, we let somebody else rob us of our integrity. When we respond in these ways, we let somebody else affect our relationship with God and our faithfulness to him. Now, it would be helpful to pause for a second and note that this passage, this psalm, was written by David. Now, last week, if you were here, you know that we looked at one of David's lowest moments. Today we're going to look at one of his finer moments. And I want to tell you a story that that shows that David didn't just write this psalm, he actually lived by it. 1 Samuel 24 tells the story of a day that David was hiding and fleeing from Israel's first king, Saul. Now Saul had tried to kill David a number of times. He had chucked spears at him, saying he was going to pin him to the wall. He had all of these different murderous plots, but none of them played out like he had planned. And and on this occasion, Saul was chasing after David. He had 3,000 men, and they were trying to find him. And and Saul got to this place where, well, nature called. He had to use the facilities, and there was a cave uh, not too far away. So he walked into the cave by himself, and little did he know that David and his men were hiding in the back of that cave. And David's men looked at this and they looked at David and they said, this is your chance. You can take him out, finally. So what would David do? He had a choice. He knew that he had already been anointed as the next king of Israel by the prophet Samuel. And he knew that Saul was doing all these things wrong. And and so this was his chance to take the throne by force and to act. What would David do? Well, before I talk about that, let's take a look at what this passage says about the wise response to those who are doing evil. Let's look at those parts. The first aspect of the wise response is trust. Trust in the Lord. Trials and frustrations have a way of really testing our faith, testing what we believe about who God is and whether he's active in our life and in our world. When evil is thriving and faithfulness is not being rewarded, God says, trust me. The next instruction for the wise is do good. 1 Peter three nine in the New Testament says, Do not repay evil for evil or abuse for abuse. On the contrary, repay with a blessing. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I told you this wasn't going to be easy, that the wisdom of God does not line up with the wisdom of the world. The psalm continues and it tells us to take delight in the Lord and to commit our ways to the Lord. We take delight in those things that we see as desirable. And we commit to those things that are trustworthy and true. So rather than focusing on what we don't have and what's going wrong in our life and in our world, we can focus on the one who is desirable, who is trustworthy and true. And then there's two more things that this passage sells us to do, and it's that. Be still and wait patiently. Now, these can be the hardest things to do when we are seeing injustice happen in our world, can't they? We are only able to wait patiently when we do the first thing on that list, and that is trust. We trust God for justice. Those who are able to wait patiently are people who know that God will is the one who is just and right, and there will be a day when his justice rains. The psalm begins by telling us that those who do wrong will soon fade like the grass. Just like, I mean, we have a great illustration of that here, don't we, on the central coast? I mean, we get this brilliant green grass during the year, and then after just a few weeks of really hot and dry weather, what happens to that grass? It fades. That's what this passage is saying. So God's word says, wait, be patient. God's justice will reign. Well, this brings me back to the story of David and Saul in that cave. What would David do? His men were saying, go take him out. So David, he snuck up behind the king like a lion stalking its prey, and he got up right behind Saul. Saul had no idea he was there. And David took out his knife, and then he cut a little corner off of the garment that that Saul was wearing, and he slinked back into the darkness. And then he turned to his men and he said, I will not raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. This is the person that God has chosen to lead us and I am not going to raise my hand against him. And you guys should not have suggested it. And no, I won't let you go harm him either. Eventually Saul got up and left the cave and once he had traveled a short distance, David went out and called to him and he said, Saul, why are you listening to the people who say that I want to do you harm? When you came into this cave, I could have killed you, but I didn't. And if you don't believe me, here's the piece of the garments that I cut off. Then he said in verses 11 and 12 in 1 Samuel 24, he said, I have not sinned against you, Though you are hunting me to take my life, may the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you. David didn't choose revenge. He didn't let envy define him or wrath. He trusted God to be the judge and he waited patiently. So you see, David didn't just write Psalm 37. He lived by the words, That he wrote. Here's what we can learn from this wisdom is all about where we fix our gaze. No matter what the circumstances in our life are, if we keep our eyes focused on the Lord, he is going to lead us towards wisdom. Conversely, if we keep our eyes focused on ourselves and getting vindication. For ourselves and getting power for ourselves, and we want to be esteemed, then all that will do is make us join the evil of others and play the fool. So let me ask you where do you see evil prospering in your life? Will you choose wisdom? Will you trust God? Will you do good? Will you take delight in Him? Will you be patient? And wait. Now, this doesn't mean that we should never act out against injustice in our life. In fact, the Bible is filled with instructions for us, to, and it tells us to speak up for the oppressed and the hurting and the poor and the weak and the disadvantaged. So what this passage is saying, that, that's all part of doing good, which is on our list here. But what this passage is saying is don't repay evil with evil. May we be known as a people who set our gaze upon the Lord. Before I close today, I want to quickly just share the benefits of this wise response. Just look at a few other things quickly from the passage as, as they're written. It tells us that those who respond wisely and choose wisely will inherit the land, first of all. It says that a number of times in the passage. David lived at a time where his nation lived in the promised land, and it was a symbol of God's blessing and provision for these people. Now, we live in a different context. We don't live in that promised land today. But what we can glean from these words is that those who fix their eyes on God and trust in Him and wait on Him are the ones who are going to be heirs to his promises, Next, it says those who do good, those who have a wise response will enjoy security. There is a security for us that only the Lord can provide. Our money, our power can be gone in an instant, but God's word and his promises will stand forever. Third, it says those who choose wisely will receive the desires of their hearts. Now, this can be misconstrued sometimes and say, hey, whatever I desire, God's gonna give me. But what happens is when we begin to delight in the Lord, he begins to change our hearts and change the things that we desire so that the things we desire are the things that he desires. And then he is just thrilled to be able to give those things to us. Fourth, we learn that those who are wise and commit their ways to the Lord will be vindicated. As I've been saying throughout this entire message. Those who trust in God's justice don't have to seek revenge because they know that God, there will be a day where God will make everything right. And finally, we learned that the meek will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. And what that means when it says abundant prosperity, uh, it's actually the Hebrew word behind that is the word shalom. Shalom which is a word that we often translate as peace. But what it actually means, it's much bigger than that. It means holistic well-being. So wouldn't you love to have a little more holistic well-being in your life? Then it's time to walk in the way of the wise. It's the way of trust during difficult circumstances. It's the way of goodness in lieu of revenge. It's the way of patience when justice seems like it is slow in coming. May we all choose the way of wisdom together. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I I thank you for these psalms that speak so clearly to our lives in the real world. I thank you for preserving them for us, that we can sing them today and we can study them today and that we can relate to them because this is something that transcends all time when we're dealing with difficult people. Lord, help us to live in the way of wisdom and not to take the typical way or the foolish way, that we might inherit all those promises and that we might reflect your glory to a world as we live by different standards of wisdom that are revealed by the one and true God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.